I recently had the opportunity to meet Patrick Hardy. I'll get into the details of how we met uh, in the episode itself. But he was explaining to me how he is the father of Sam, who also has autism. And in that conversation, I was so touched by his devotion and his love and just his experience of raising a son with autism that I really wanted him to come onto the episode, uh, come onto the podcast and share his experience um, with us on the Family Brand Podcast. So in this episode, you'll hear one father's experience um, of raising a son with autism. And also he, from that experience, realized there wasn't a lot of resources for children who have autism as far as books. Um, and he wanted to be to read his son a book about what it's like to have autism, but he couldn't find anything. And so he decided that he was going to write the books about about his son. And so the series is called uh, My Friend Sam, and it talks all about different aspects of, of living with uh, autism. Um, and it's written for children. And anyway, we'll get into more of those details in, in this episode. But uh, I'm excited to share Patrick and his story um, with his son, Sam, with you today. Hello, and welcome to the Family Brand Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm a husband, a father, and an entrepreneur. My name's Melissa, and I am a wife, mother, former nurse turned real estate investor. And we believe the greatest gift you can give your child is a last name that stands for something. Your last name is your family's brand. If you are a parent who wants to raise your child to know who they are, love who they are, and believe in who they are, this show is for you. We promise to bring you real and authentic conversations with parents and experts who are committed to making their family their life's most important work. This show will help you take a stand for your family and to raise your children by design, not default. Welcome to the Family Brand Podcast. This week, I have Patrick Hardy with me. And Patrick, I met kind of by luck. I, I have a friend and I was asking him uh, his name's Denny. I was saying, Denny, I want someone to help me with some stuff on my website. Uh, do you know anyone that could do this thing? I'm, I'm redoing our culture quiz. And he's like, yeah, I got a guy. So Patrick and I connected. Well, so first of all, welcome, Patrick. I'm so glad to have you today. Thank you for the invitation, Melissa. It's a great honor. So we connected about something unrelated to our topic today, which is the website. And then we got to talking and I learned more about Patrick and he shared with me in one of our conversations about the website about uh, his son, Sam, and his son, Sam, what was diagnosed with autism. Um, we'll get into more details of that. But the way that Patrick spoke about his son and his devotion and his just love, like really moved me. Like we were talking about my website and I was like tearing up. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, okay, we have to have Patrick on the podcast to talk about this because it was just so beautiful what you're doing for Sam. And I thought it was inspiring. And I wanted to share that with other people. So thank you for agreeing to come and talk all about Sam with us on the Family Brand Podcast. Well, thank you again for the invitation. I'm so excited to share the story, basically. Yeah, why don't you just, just share with us your, your story? I would love to, yeah, let's start there. Okay, well, uh, Sam was uh, born in 2006 uh, through 22 hours of labor, and uh, it was six days late as well. Um, and uh, when he was growing up from birth to about three years old, we kind of noticed that he wasn't speaking that much. 
And turns out my sister who lives in Montreal had a daughter who was born a couple of months earlier than Sam. And uh, around two, my niece was talking like crazy. I uh, just like my sister and, um, this and, uh, but my son was just, just little words here and there and even little grunts. And, um, when we visit, visited uh, my parents in Montreal, we saw our niece there with my sister and stuff. And they noticed that, you know, there was a difference, but we didn't want to admit it. Um, so when we got back, my parents called me and, uh, told me that, you know, there might be something different with Sam. And of course, like any parent, uh, no parent wants to hear that, uh, that there's something wrong with your kid, uh, especially, you know, from your parents. Um, and me, you know, I've, I don't know if you know about, uh, the Canadian culture with Quebecers are really proud people and I'm from Quebec and I live, I live now in the Maritimes, but, uh, the Quebecer in me came out when my parents told me that, like, I really didn't want to hear that from them. And that caused me to not speak to them for about six or seven months, but the seed was planted though. And so, uh, we started to look around to see if there's anything wrong that we did wrong. Um, because, uh, when my parents told me that there was something wrong with Sam, the first reaction was like, well, we live in the bilingual province, you know, we have two languages to, to learn at the same time. Uh, so that's why he doesn't speak that much. So basically we were trying to find any excuse not to admit to ourselves that there was something wrong with uh, our son. And so it turns out that Sam had some allergies, uh, to milk, uh, really early on. And so we had to do a test for allergies. And uh, when I went there with Sam to the doctor's office, I noticed there was a poster on the, on the wall that says, uh, it's a program that was called talk to me, which would help parents to. Uh, connect with their uh, kids uh, to help them communicate. So I went there. Um, turns out it was also a customer I had at the time. So in a small world, I didn't know that she was responsible for it, but uh, she said, oh, hi. I was like, oh, hello. So we went there with our kids. So, uh, and they put our, uh, the parents in a circle and the kids were to play, looking at the parents uh, eye to eye, basically. And immediately from there, uh, we noticed that my son was really different because all the other kids were playing with the parents, but my son was just running around and yelling, ah, and it circles. And that person, that my customer comes to me, says, you know what, I'm going to push for uh, autism diagnostic. And that's when it hit. I was like, oh no, no, I, I, you know, I don't, I know the, I know the word a little bit, but it's a scary word. And, uh, I, you know, I said, oh, okay, but, but you know, is there any other people we can look for at the time? Like we, uh, because, you know, maybe there's a hearing problem, maybe there's a speech problem or something like that. So we met other specialists, uh, we did the hearing test. Um, and I, I found myself in the booth with Sam when he was two and a half years old, praying that with the sounds that he was hearing in the, in the booth, that he would turn around and look, I was just, please, please, uh, turn your head. And then at one point I, I remember thinking, wait, if he turns his head, that means it's a possibility of autism. So then I was praying for him not to turn his head. That was, it, it's, it's awful to think like that, but that's, that's, that's where I was. And so, uh, come three years old, I remember uh, for the rest of my life that the wait was uh, announced to us. Um, my wife was at work, so she wouldn't, she wasn't able to make the appointment, but I had a, a really good, uh, boss at the time. So he allowed me to go, 
um, have the diagnosis with my son. So we went to the doctor's hospital, uh, doctor's office, and uh, he came in. Uh, he asked him to sit down, play with an airplane, and he just basically asked him one, one question. He says, "The uh, airplane sound? Do you drive that or do you pilot them?" And some just kept playing his stuff, you know. Hey Sam, the, the airplane? Do you pilot them or do you drive them? And Sam kept playing. So he basically is his his back turned to me. He writes something on this on the paper. Just turns his head and says, autistic. And that's how I got the diagnosis. Wow. Uh, that was a gut punch. Not only, you know, getting a diagnosis for autism is hard enough. It's something that sticks with you for the rest of your life. But the way that he gave it to me, that was just inhuman. I, I, for me, that was inhuman. He could have turned around, just, you know, let's, let's sit down. Let's, you know, take the time to discuss this. But no, it was just autism. And then he, you know, signed some papers. I'll get you an appointment at Hibber Center. And then he walked out. And that was it. So it was le- I, I was left with, okay, so what happens now? You know, the only thing I knew is that we had an appointment with a center in the, 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 near, the next town, uh, which specializes in kids with special needs. And so uh, six months passed by. That was in March. Uh, the session with that center started in September. So... Um, during those six months, we were in the dark. We were trying to find any documentation we could find on autism and stuff like that. I could, I was looking for books uh, to read to Sam to show him what autism is about. You know, just to not only reassure us, but reassure him as well. I know he's three. He's not, you know, um, he's not uh, aware probably of what's going on, but I just wanted to introduce that to him. But there was nothing existing. The only thing existing for kids at the moment at that time, in 2009, was books that were specialized with you know, uh, medical terms and stuff like that. So it's not really oriented for kids. So that was, there was a lack there. So we started with the center in 2010. Everything was going great. Uh, Sam was starting to learn the basics of communications, like over, under, next to, behind, in front of. Um, he learned how to uh, go to potty basically there too. Um, that was a challenge as well, because it's something from his body, leaving his body, which he didn't understand what was the, you know, the purpose of this. So yeah, everything that we, you know, that we, we think that's basic that you, you get to learn as your kid. My son had to learn those things, you know, ask for a glass of water, like just because he's thirsty, asking for a glass of water for my son, that was not normal. Uh, he did not know how to do that. And that we, we actually got to uh, show him how to do that with horse therapy. The horse therapy, when you ask a horse to do something, the horse reacts to it, right? So he gets the result. And so that, that the horse therapy, we did, we did that with Sam when he was around five and six, or six years old. And that helped him a lot to understand that if he asks for something, he's probably going to get a result from the parents. So uh, we, we, we did that with him. And... Um, you know, I, w- I was looking at my son and, and realizing that, you know, later on in life, things are going to be difficult for him because he, d- he still doesn't understand sarcasm. Uh, he has a whole hard time with humor as well. And so uh, I wanted to do something to raise awareness to autism, to the autistic kids, give them a voice because uh, some of the kids on the spectrum do not have a voice. And when I say that is because I'm thinking of the ones that are nonverbal. Right. There's a lot of kids on the autism spectrum, spectrum worn on the nonverbal and cannot express how they feel and stuff like that. 
Um, and sometimes it's challenging for them and it's frustrating for them, even though they have a, a SIPS, which is that, that book with all images that they can use to communicate what they want. Um, sometimes, you know, it just doesn't cut it. You just want to say it. You just want to, and that's why you see a lot of them that hit themselves on the wall or something like that, uh, you know, punch the wall or something like that because they're frustrated because they just can't get it out. So I wanted to raise awareness for that. So what I did in 2012, I started creating, uh, pictures, drawings, sell them and get the profits for autism Canada because we're in Canada here. And in the first year I sold so much that I was able to give $3,000 to autism Canada just by myself, just by that, that, that in itself was, I, I thought it was an accomplishment wow. and I did not notice that, but Sam was starting to mimic my drawings. And so, uh, you know, years go, they go by and stuff. I still sell some stuff for in there. Uh, then it starts to get parsed down. It will, um, um, less cells whatsoever, but Sam's still drawing and stuff. You know, I always thought when I was going to get a son, I was going to have that moment of throwing a baseball, you know, with him. And that did not happen. I did not know how to connect with Sam. Not at all. It's until I noticed that he started trying to do the drawings that I do. That, that opened my eyes. I was like, there it is. This is our throwing the baseball moment. So when he was eight, I drew, uh, uh, I first started drawing ahead of a, uh, a lion. And, uh, as an artist, I started on the left side of the paper, which you never do that. You, you have to start from the center. And I didn't like that. So I said, oh shoot, it's on this, on the left side. So, you know, instead of throwing it away, I'm, I, I look at my son and says, you want to finish this drawing? And he goes, yeah. And then he starts, you know, finishing the drawing, puts in the details, colors and stuff. And the, the final product came out really good. So I'm like, wow, that's really, that's really cool. You want to do another one? He said, yeah, yeah. So he was excited to draw with me. So we drew over, I don't know, like 70, 80 pieces together. And, um, we sold 47 of them, uh, and all, also giving the profits to a local, uh, autism center here in Huntington where I live. And, uh, Sam was so happy because he was. For him, he was like be becoming an artist. He was like, I, I'm, I have a purpose and stuff like that. And, um, to me, I was happy because now I had my moment with my son. I was connecting with him. Like, you know, like art is the connection that we have and it is still today. So we sold those art pieces and stuff and Sam was eight at the moment and, uh, it really caught fire. Like he really like kept selling, selling and selling and you know, still giving profits to the autism center. By the end, we got about 1,200 for the local center. So that was pretty good too. And, um, it's funny cause I mentioned to Sam back then that he is now, according to the Canadian standards of artists, he's considered an artist because he sold uh, more than 30 pieces. So it was like, eh, well, <laughs> he uh, he didn't care. Uh, but then, you know, um, I still had the thought at the back of my head that in 2009, I was looking for books, talking about autism to kids and that was still not happening. And still to that day, when Sam was eight in 2014, still nothing, still no books about autism. So in 2016, uh, a friend that we have, Denis, uh, I spoke with him. He says, why don't you do it? And I was like, what? he says, why don't you do it? 
you know how to draw, you know how to write stories. It's it's from truth. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. Just give a voice to the voiceless. Okay. So that's what I started doing. I started the first book in 2016. In December 2016, the first My Friend Sam came out. And I participated in a book show the year after that. And just a local book show that we have here um, in the Francophone uh, community. And that's and the name of the, the series is My Friend Sam. My Friend Sam. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I was there with 50 books. You know, not expecting anything. I just go there and I sold out. Like, I noticed that all the schools that came, because all the Franco schools that came, in English schools that came too, because I, I, when I do the books, I do them in both languages. So um, I sold out, like, completely. I've never expected this reaction. And that prompted me to create a second book, and then the third, and the fourth. And now I have 14 books in French and 11 in English. Um, this is kind and, of a slide, but if I can interject, uh, just for context, where you live, it is required to have both English and and French. Is that correct? That's exactly it. We're the first official bilingual province of the whole country. So, uh, but like I, for me, it was it was a brainer because autism doesn't you know doesn't have a language. Like you know, it's it's everywhere. It's uh, Vietnam. It's in everywhere. Um. And so, uh, yeah, so those books, I really filled a hole, like a, uh, something that was missing because it really, really is working. Uh, I even have a person who approached me, says, you want me to translate those in Vietnamese? And he says, in Vietnam, it's a big thing. You know, there's a lot of autism kids. And unfortunately, uh, the parents, they don't know, like they, they just, so having one of those books that might help them. So, okay, sure, yeah. And so we have books in Vietnamese as well. Um, and so that really, uh, really worked well to actually raise awareness, uh, get the discussion starting because now every time I participate in the uh, book show, uh, maybe Montreal, uh, Toronto, Quebec City, and stuff like that, and I present those books, uh, you know, a lot of people, they don't know about that. They say, oh, okay. Like, the, you know, and then I ask the kids, do you have any kids in your in your class that, you know, acts differently and stuff. And they say, yeah. Um, so this is probably what it is, you know, but I remember I did a presentation north of the province here, um, in a, a, a classroom and I was presenting my books and, uh, there was a, a kid on the spectrum at the back of the room and right in front of him, there was a, a little guy, a little, a little student who asked me, um, what you're describing, is that real? Is that something you made up? Is that real? And I, and I, I, it surprised me because right behind him, there was a, a, call, a student colleague that was on the spectrum, like, and he was a nonverbal and of course he was gesticulating and just, ah, you know, like uh, little grunts here and there. And my reaction was like, I know it's not made up. My son exists. It's a real, it's a real thing uh, that's happening. And if you look behind you, your friend behind you, he is on the spectrum of autism and it goes, oh, like it's, it's. Um, it's amazing just how, uh, you know, yes, we, we talk about it, but there's still so much not known about the autism, right? About the autism spectrum. The, the, the thing is that the spectrum is so wide that it's difficult to be able to, um, diagnose what's going on, uh, for a person. Um, and so, uh, doing those presentation actually prompted me to, to, to think, okay, well, 
I got a book for kids, but do I have a book for the parents who just got the diagnosis? You know, because I've been there. I was not knowing what to do, not knowing what to expect. And so um, about three years ago, I wrote a small book in French. I'm translating it in English now. Um, but it's about how my wife and I uh, lived the diagnosis of, my, of our son uh, from birth to his eighth grade. So all the challenges that he's met, all the obstacles that he's beaten, uh, everything, um, even, even bullying, like he, he was bullied. He didn't, he didn't know he was bullied. So I, I was the one to tell him, but just to show you just how it's hard sometimes because I, when I told him he was being bullied, he was not mad at the friends. He was mad at me for telling him because now he has to look for new friends and uh, for kids on the spectrum of autism, it's really difficult uh, to create friendship with people your own age. It's easier for them to create friendships with younger or older people for some reason. Um, and that's the case for Sam. So he was really mad about me and uh, 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 mad at me, sorry. And uh, I, I really didn't know what to do. And he was mad at me for about, I would say, two, three weeks. Uh, for telling him, um, come to find out later on that the story was not exactly as he told it. Like he came to us and said, no, well, um, my friend, we played like this and, and there was some missing information in the story that basically made it that the play was good. It was not bullying at all. So I, and that's when I told him, Sam, it's really important that we say a story that you tell the whole thing. As it happens, uh, because in life, if you, if you miss a little part, which is an important part, you know, that's, that's probably going to uh, play against you at one point, like it did with your friend here. And so I, uh, communicated with the parents of that friend and told them that I am sorry. Uh, my son didn't tell me the whole story and, uh, you know, that, uh, uh, if, if, if their son would like to be friends with my son again. Not a problem at all, you know, but it's, it's stuff like that, that, um, sometimes makes it difficult to be a parent of a kid of the spectrum. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so I wrote, I wrote that book, the, the book for the parents so that they know of one experience of, of parents with a kid on the spectrum. Now, the thing about this book is that that's only one kid on the spectrum. It's, you know, if you say you've met someone with autism, well, good. You just met one person that has one side, one aspect of autism spectrum. You didn't meet uh, all of the aspects of the autism spectrum at all. You just met one person that lives some things of autism. Um, and so that's what's hard to uh, talk about, you know, because I have friends who have kids on the spectrum as well. And their son is a lot different than my son. See, my son likes a lot of stuffed animals. Uh, their son likes to have stuffed logos like Microsoft Office, uh, Microsoft Word, uh, Chrome, you know, those little logos, those little icons. My friend had, has to basically knit all of those, create those little plushies for, for his son. So he could have those logos at home, Windows, Apple, like stuff like that. Um, you know, uh, so it's, it's really different. And it's, it's amazing to see the differences on the spectrum. Um, and there's an, another thing also that has to stop is that 
there's a lot of misconception on of the autism spectrum. Um, you know, some people say that, oh, they have a talent. Oh, they, they you know, because they think of Rain Man. Uh, yes, Mr. Hoffman is a good actor, but they don't all have a talent. Uh, some of them will be dependent for the rest of their lives on their parents, caregiver, or stuff like that. It's not all... Uh, all of them that has a superhuman talent or memory or stuff like that. It's, it's, those are the things that we have to kind of stop thinking when we think about autism, that they're all super talented in some way. Um, some are not. I've met some, some people on the spectrum that unfortunately, uh, will have a very, uh, secluded life because of their autism situation where they have no control over their, their members. Um, and some have not, are nonverbal and unfortunately, you know, they're not able to communicate the way they want to do it. They're on the wheelchair and it's, but yeah, that has to stop. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's why we wrote that book is to basically, uh, show parents, uh, just got a diagnosis, uh, of a kid on the spectrum of autism that it's not all that bad. There are good moments. And of course, there are difficult moments, but the good always surpasses the bad times, right? Um, there's a lot more positive than negative in the experience that I have. In the books, how do, how do you as a father, how do you want a parent to describe Sam to, to their children if they have questions about Sam or anyone that they maybe have in their class that um, is on the autism spectrum? How do you normally suggest that someone might describe you know, it is what it is. I, I'm actually proudly saying he's on the spectrum of autism. I'm actually proud of that. When when when, when someone uh, uh, presents their kid to my son, I always say, "Well, Sam is you know on the spectrum of autism. Do you know what autism is?" And a lot of the times is, "No, I don't." So I said, "Well, get to know him. You'll get to know one little aspect of autism and stuff like that." And uh, no, it's it's it's. I've never I never wanted to hide it because it, it's there. I mean, in Canada right now, the prevalence of kids being diagnosed on the spectrum of autism before the age of five were one in 27, I think now. In 2018, it was one in 43. So if you think about it, within five years, like, you know, the, the, the statistics have, have raised considerably. And the thing about this is that those kids are going to grow up and become adults at one point. And then the workforce is going to be 50-50. I'm going to have 50 people on the spectrum and 15 to not, 50 that are don't, they're not. And then that number is going to go uh, grow higher, right? So uh, we're not ready for that. We're not ready for that as a society because basically what we do now with uh, the people that are on the spectrum, if, uh, if they're unlucky, uh, they get uh, hidden in kitchens or, or they become janitors and stuff like that, you know, in, in jobs where we can actually hide them. That's why I'm writing those books because uh, not only uh, the, the child learns about autism, but also the parent. Because when I was, when Sam was young, I used to go to his, his uh, on his bed and read him a bedtime story, right? So if I read them stories about autism, then not only the child learns, but the parent learns as well. And so we're better prepared for what's coming. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, I, I don't, I don't. I don't hide behind the, the, the word autism. It's not, it's nothing that scares me now. It used to. You carried this idea a bit further when we were talking before and saying how Sam, what you want for Sam is 
you want him to still be able to follow his dreams and not like you were saying be in the background like in the back of the kitchen or a janitor or or whatever it may be like he has dreams and he has goals and um i loved how you that are outside of that and i loved how you spoke about that um about supporting him in those dreams. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Uh, children on a spectrum autism are just like us. They have dreams, they have expectations, they have like goals. For Sam, like he wants to become a graphic designer. And as luck would have it, I'm such a thing as well. So, uh, <laughs> you know, um, I'm going to help him to, to, to achieve that. Uh, and, you know, uh, he, he had goals. He wants to be able to create his own books, uh, comic strips. Uh, he wants to be able to create his own websites and stuff like that. And so it's all things that he's going to be able to do, uh, with graphic design. And I, we really were, were, were trying to help him as much as we can to be able to achieve that because just like any other person, we all have dreams. We all have expectations. We all have hopes. We all want to do something amazing. We all want to change the world in in some way, right? So uh, why should we stop when it comes to somebody that's a little different than all the others? Why should we put them elsewhere, right? There's a lot of the people that are on the spectrum that actually, one of their the, the character traits is that they're really focused. When they come to a task, they are focused on achieving a goal that is uh, presented to them. And a lot of people forget that, um, you know? Uh, so when it comes to creating something, when my son starts drawing, he draws, like he's just like concentrating on this thing and, you know, he creates a, a new comic strip. He just picks one that he has written down and he just starts doing it. Um, and that's what he wants to do. Um, and so a person with a spectrum of autism, if you, you hit them where it's really their focus, what they like to do, then you, you bet they're going to be able to do the work properly and efficiently. And it's going to be uh, up to the, you know, like the, the dots on the eyes and the, the bars and the keys and stuff like that. It's, there's not going to be a mistake because they're so focused. Um, of course, that's one side of the spectrum. You know, there's the other side of the spectrum where there are people who are going to stay dependent for the rest of their lives. Um, but they also have dreams as well. Um, so it's up to us to basically be able to offer them those kind of opportunities. And to do so is to talk about that, talk about autism, talk about, you know, autism acceptance, uh, not segregation, because it still happens. Uh, there are some schools right now in our country here in Canada where they separate the kids or on the autism spectrum in special classes instead of integrating them with the other students where, where they should be able to see, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be right now. This is, you know, I should, I should be at this level in, in English or whatever. So that would motivate them to actually attain that. Instead, of, instead they're being put in a class with other people who have, you know, difficulties and stuff like that. And this, this says, okay, well, this person has, you know, uh, a little less problems whatsoever. At least it's hard with math. So maybe I'm okay where I'm at right now. And that's, you know, that's, we're not helping them if we do that. Um, we should really integrate all the kids on the spectrum of autism with all the others. We should include, not segregate. So yeah, so it's it, for for me, it's really important to be able to provide uh, the opportunities for the 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 people in the spectrum, the kids in the spectrum, to be able to achieve their goals, because they're just like us. They just uh, do it differently, but they're like us. They have dreams like us. They feel like us. You know, they cry like us. 
They smile like us. Yeah, they're, they're just people that, that live life differently. I love everything that you've shared. And I love just how you've taken such a, a stand for, for Sam and how you are, I don't know, it just has touched me how you are showing up for him and, and raising awareness for autism and for people who, like you told me, um, you're also writing other books for just people who are maybe different and including people who are different and it's okay to be different. Um, and I just really love love that and what you what you stand for in that way and i think it's a really important conversation to have in in our families and that that will make our our families stronger so we i'm going to link to all the i am sam um series i know how many books how many i am sam books are there in the series at this time of recording uh, yeah the, the my friend sam books um i got 11 uh, in English, uh, 14 in French. I got two in Vietnamese. Yeah. And that's where I'm at right now. Uh, we're developing the book number 15 now. And when I say we are, because my son's involved as well, he chooses a subject because it's him. So it's, it's all real stories. It's nothing invented. It's all experiences that we had with him. Um, so the fifth, 15th one is going to be about his, uh, phobia that he had about dresses. Someone told him at one point that uh, dresses eat the ladies' legs. And oh. so for the longest time, my wife could not buy a dress at all or wear a dress. We just got the permission when he was around 16 years old. And that's last summer. So, <laughs> so, uh, we met a psychologist with him and, you know, taught him about the uh, irrational phobias and stuff like that. So it's something that's really yeah, interesting as, as well, because there's a lot of uh, phobias out there that, uh, the, 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 the people on the auction spectrum, sometimes the phobias they have are really irrational and the things that they're afraid of really uncommon, uh, dresses, for example. So yeah, that's the 15th book that we're creating now. And the first book, tell me a bit about the first book that you, that you wrote. What, what is included in that, in that first book? The first book we're discussing about how he got Sam ready for school when he was in, um, kindergarten and first grade. Um, and it's the difficulty that he had with, uh, textures and food and clothes. Um, and also the, uh, the imagery on clothes that, uh, that, uh, also was a problem. Sam never ate cereal with milk. Like it was always separate. Like we had the bowl of you know, uh, corn pops and then you had the glass of milk next to it. And of course it's soy milk. It's not uh, cow's milk cause he has an allergy to it. Um, and then. Uh, uh, getting him dressed was really hard because at the time he wasn't speaking that much. It was still like, uh, iffy. And so, uh, just trying to put a shirt on. If it was like a shirt that irritates the skin, then he, the only thing was say he's like, which means, uh, itchy, itchy. And then he says, rabbit. And we're like, rabbit, what do you mean rabbit? And then we're that's all he said, rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. But what he wanted to tell us is that he wanted to put the, the, the shirt that was nice and fuzzy that was really nice on his skin. So it, you know, it's, you have to play detective sometimes to figure out what we had to play with him to, to figure out what he was saying, you know, and then he started pointing at stuff later on. Um, and then putting on his jeans was something also really hard because, uh, it had to be blue jeans, a specific blue with no imagery on the pockets at all. 
And we learned that because one of his genes had images of two guitars uh, crossing each other. And um, she said in French, she said, the, no guitar, no guitar. Jeans don't play guitar. Jeans don't play guitar. Like he just threw the thing on the, on the floor. So we had to, you know, uh, figure out that it was the actual pocket that was the problem. So we had to, you know, remove it and just replace it. But uh, yeah, it, it took us a while there. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much what the first book is about. It's about the difficulties of that and communicating what he really wants to say. Uh, the difficulties with the texture of, of uh, the clothes on the skin and the texture of the food. And what a great resource um, for for all families. I feel like whether you have a child on the autism spectrum or not, it's um, I think even reading that will help a family better understand maybe a child or a neighbor, a friend who is on the autism spectrum. I'm gonna wrap here, but I would love to give you you know the opportunity to share any. Do you have any last thoughts that you'd like to leave with our readers or our listeners rather? If there's one thing I could say is that, uh, let's say you're in a grocery store and you see a child that's, um, yelling or, or screaming and stuff like that. And the parent it lo looks embarrassed, mm -hmm. um, trying to control instead of just walking away, maybe ask the parents if, if you could do something to help, um, you know, sometimes that would be really appreciated. Uh, there's nothing worse than uh, the guilt of of knowing that your child is different and in a social place. And for some reason, he saw something or she saw something that um, just scared them or made them, uh, we call that stim. And the stimming is just still overpowering. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, sometimes it's, 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 you feel guilty that, that uh, you're disturbing the peace around you because of your, of your child. And so, um, I know it's, it's out of the blue. It's, it's, it's really something that people are not used to, but just asking the parent if they need help with anything, um, they're probably going to say no, but inside they're going to feel really, really great because, you know, they said, okay, well, you know, I'm not by myself in this, like, mm -hmm. you know, people are starting to, to, uh, get interested in, 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 into the situation whatsoever, because yeah. Those eyes, the you know, the when your child is having, you feel them. As a parent, you feel them, even though you're not you're not looking. You, you I feel them. When we used to do groceries with Sam, and he had a stim or or or, or crisis or whatsoever, uh, we of course we were concentrating on him, but we felt the gazes. We felt, them. and so and the the oh, you know, like keeps your chin at home or something like that. Those those. So yeah, so that's the worst. That's the worst. <laughs> as a, a parent with a kid with special needs, that's the worst. Um, that guilt there, and it's not our fault. It's just the way it is, right? But uh, instead of having the the gas or the the stairs, just can I help you with something? You know, just that. That's gonna go a long way. That's really beautiful. Yeah, because I think I might be inclined myself to want to help a maybe run it through my mind like but I, like i don't know what i would do i probably couldn't do anything so i i won't offer even though i would want to i probably i could see myself not so i love mm -hmm. your suggestion of like what's the worst that can happen is they're like no we got this and then but they feel like supported in it and they feel exactly. like there's someone like other people there like on their side and and looking exactly. at them 
Yeah, because we, you know, uh, as a parent on the spectrum, uh, of a child of the spectrum, we feel alone a lot of times, you know, uh, there was a lot of social occasions that we missed because, uh, we didn't want to leave our son, like, you know, because uh, we didn't want to call for babysitter because, you know, what's going to happen? Is it going to be mm -hmm. okay? Stuff like that. So don't want to disturb my wife's mother because she lives two streets away from us, but she's, you know, she's elderly and stuff like that. So. Uh, we weren't, uh, we didn't want to impose Sam's reactions to whatsoever, uh, to her, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of guilt when it comes to being a parent of a child on the spectrum of autism. So yeah, it, it's kind of, it, it's, it's crazy, but we don't want to impose that on other people. That's, that's, our, that's our, that's our thing, right? We just, we're going to take care of it. We know how he is and stuff like that. And just really quickly. Uh, when I visit my parents in Montreal, because, you know, we're yeah. 10 hours away drive here, um, you know, they don't know my son as well as my mother-in-law. So sometimes, uh, there's challenges in Montreal because my son is not really well understood. So we have to educate my parents, even though they've read the books, I still have to educate them. Uh, you know, uh, Sam doesn't like this, uh, you know, stop this. This is, this is not good. But yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of challenges. So, well, I, th I again, love what, what you're doing for Sam and I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the family rad podcast and share with us your, your experiences and, and your resources as well. We'll, we'll link to all of those. So thank you, Patrick. Well, thank you for having me. It was a great opportunity. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the family brand podcast to say, thank you. We have something really awesome. We'd love to share with you. You know, we often hear from families who will tell us that they just feel so overwhelmed because of the demands that are placed on them. They feel like they're constantly being pulled in so many different directions and spread thin and they're spending time as a family, but they don't feel like it's quality time. They're not really connected and they want to be more intentional. And we can certainly relate because we felt like that at one point in, in our family. And so we created a guide that allowed us to really be more confident around how we spend time as a family and what we say yes to and what we say no to. And it's just brought so much more peace into our home. It's made our lives so much more simple and we want to share it with you. So if you go to familybrand.com, forward slash free, you can download the how to take back your family's time guide. And I can promise you it'll give you more confidence and more peace in your life than your family. One last thing, we feel so inspired when we hear from families that we are making a difference for them. We would love it if you would leave us a five star rating and a review on the podcast so we can reach even more amazing families. We truly believe that the way we change the world is one family at a time.